Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. And today, I'm going to continue on the church, but the title of my message is There's Power in Position. There's Power in Position. See, we have to have this understanding, again, out of Matthew chapter 16. Turn your Bible there. Matthew chapter 16. And we'll start in verse 13. This is the context for our series that we are preaching on. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And as they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Notice that Jesus is asking his closest followers, you've been with me for some time, who do you say that I am? What do you think? You've seen the miracles, you've seen the way I preach, you've seen the demonstration in power. Who do you say I am? And I believe that's still pertinent to today because there's a lot of things out there that are saying who Jesus is. There's a lot of people and a lot of philosophies and ideas and things that are being, agendas that are being pushed to say what the church is, what they should do, and who Jesus is. Let me help you today. There is an antichrist spirit out there. Don't be naive and ignorant to the fact and just be so closed up that you think, oh, there's nothing. There is. Even from the beginning and into now, there's still the prince of the power of the air that's working the son of disobedience. Come on. He's still working today. He still has dominion on the earth. Now, when Jesus comes back, he's going to take it back from him. Don't worry. But see, we have been given a far greater covenant through Jesus Christ for believers. And we know that we are no longer under the domain and the authority of Satan anymore. So today, who's a Christian in this house? Amen. If you're a Christian, guess what? Satan no longer has dominion over your life. You say, how, did, how is that so? Well, the Bible says that you're seated with Christ. And that place of seating is completion, finished. It is finished. It's done. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we know it's not a natural war or a natural fight, but it's against Spiritual wickedness, principalities and powers and darkness and rulers of this world. I probably went in between all those, but I mentioned them. And what do we do? Well, we stand. But what does standing look for us as Christians? Well, here's your first point. It's a position of rest. The church has a position of rest. Rest. Not wrestling. But rest. Not trying to make something happen. But standing in what has rightfully been given to us. Amen. Let me read a scripture to you. Now, a lot of people would be under the illusion or the understanding that you have to fight. You have to stand in the gap. You have to wrestle. This is spiritual warfare. 
But when you see spiritual warfare or the word war mentioned in the New Testament, it has nothing to do with fighting the devil. It has everything to do with your flesh. Your flesh. See, it is the thing that has not been changed yet that you have to renew every day. That's your flesh. We know that we are a spirit first living in a body that has a soul. I'm going to say that until you get it memorized, until you understand, because when you see yourself first as a spirit, because that's where your nature has changed, you are no longer of this world, but you are of the kingdom of God. You are his. Your nature's changed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, come on, anybody know it? There you go. Any man that's in Christ, he is a new creation, creation, new creature. New identity. There's a new reality for you. You have a new DNA. Hallelujah. Can I just help you today? That's a different position now. Talking about the church, the body. If you are in Christ, and a lot of y'all, most of y'all lifted your hand, well, guess what? You have a different position today. It's a position of rest. Let me help you today. You cannot believe beyond the actual knowledge that you have received. This is why spiritual growth is so important for you as a believer. This is why studying the word of God, being in his presence, reading the Bible, understanding doctrines. And doctrine is a big word that churches don't usually use anymore. You go to their website and you can see it, but you don't really hear doctrine taught. Doctrine is probably one of the most important things and honestly, what Paul said, or actually they don't know if it was Paul in Hebrews. They don't know the writer. Some say it was Paul. Some say it wasn't. But in Hebrews, he says that we need to leave the elementary doctrines or the elementary way of thinking to go on to the deeper things. But he said, I can't take you further because you can't learn the ABCs or the simple things of a Christian life or Christian living. And we see that he mentions six different doctrines. See, when it comes to doctrines, most people don't know what that means. They couldn't tell you, how is Jesus God? They couldn't tell you, how is God's word inspired by God, written by men? They couldn't tell you that there are actually three different baptisms. The baptism of salvation, the baptism of water, and the baptism of the spirit. See, and these are the simple things that every believer, born again, should know. Because until we are able to grow, we can't go further in what God has for us. This is where a church can become ineffective. It's when the body or the people or the limbs or the sheep, remember that's all, all those things mentioned you, when they are not growing. This is why in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, It says in verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So not only do we have a position of resting in God. Now, what is rest? Before I jump into this, hold on. What is rest? Rest means that the victory is already yours. It is already yours. You're not trying to get it. 
And you are not fighting from a place of defeat, but you are fighting from a place of victory already. And how do you have victory? Through Jesus Christ. Your position is seated with him. Again, in John 16, we see this. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The Bible also says this in 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith where? In him. Our faith knowing that he already has taken care of it. I just rest. You know what rest looks like? Trusting in him. Fully convinced that what he promised, he's able to do. That's what Abraham, right? We see in Romans chapter 4, that he was fully convinced, fully persuaded, that what God said was going to happen, now he's going to do it. And this is where we as a church have to be. It's a position of rest. Not warring and thinking we have to fight. Are we like that? Because we think we're doing something. No, it's a position of rest, standing in his word, standing in faith, standing upon the rock, the solid rock, the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He finished it for you. See, this is simple understanding. This really is. This is basic one-on-one revelation and understanding of what Jesus has done for you. If you don't have this understanding yet, it's going to be difficult then to live your life and continue to live your life through what God has for you. Because if you can't see that Jesus is taking care of everything for you, well, guess what, honey? When things come against you, you're going to go back and revert to the old man, the old nature, the fleshly you, and you're going to try to fight it. You're going to try to and do all these things and shout it out. Let me help you stand on his word. Now, there might be times when you get a little louder. That's fine. Go ahead, get loud as you want. But let's not get into the false idea that it is emotionalism. Meaning the louder I pray, the louder I shout, the more I jump, the better it's going to get. No. No, it's I praise louder, I shout louder, I sing louder, I pray louder because of I know who I am in Christ. That's why people praise God. That's why you see people jump, spinning, all those things. Why do people do that? Do you have to do that? No, I don't have to do that. I get to do that. People, I mean, I watched a footy game yesterday, sat in my rear end for four and a half hours and wasted my life away. I'm just going to be honest. For nothing that does nothing to me spiritually. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was cool. And they had over 100,000 fans there. And I see people painted, swinging shirts over their head, shirts off. I mean, just mayhem. But then when someone comes into the church and they see that, they're like, that's crazy. We got to have order and structure. I understand order and structure. I get it. And I understand when you are doing something in the spirit and in the flesh. I've seen both. I've seen people get in the flesh just to be spiritual. That, no, that's sensual. That's wrong. But I've seen God really move. And we can't be so arrogant and prideful to think that we can put a hand on God and put him in a box and tell him what to do. Until you experience the power of the Holy Ghost, you can't tell me different. Until you fell flat on your face because of the power of God. You saying you've had that before? Yeah. I haven't had it one time. The Spirit of God hit me, and I had fire on my feet, and I started running around the church. I said, why would he do that? 
Because it, it fulfilled me. It satisfied me. It gave me joy. God wants to give you joy. He wants to fulfill you. I mean, go through the New Testament and see the early church and how church was. I mean, they were getting filled in the Holy Ghost. They were experiencing the power of God. Let's not become a church that treats the Spirit of God as something common. Or that is something that is not needed. I know there's ideas out there. Well, the gifts and speaking in tongues is done away with. is left with the apostles. If you just do a little bit of study, you'll see that that's a false idea. And usually the people that believe that are the people that are criticizing and having the most judgment and critical spirit. I promise you, I've done enough study and I've heard enough people to talk about it. That's just, you can see it in the spirit. They're motivated by a carnal spirit. Now, today, we have a position as a church. It's a position of rest. Secondly, it's a position of faith. Now, where is faith? Faith is in his word. Not in your ability, but faith in his ability to do what he said he's going to do. This is where partnership and cooperation comes from us. We believe. We act on his word. Know this, that our position in Christ or our position as the church is not a silent one, is not a stagnant one, but at some times there will be content. You will have to learn how to be content sometimes. You will learn how to just stand and endure. Endurance is needed for you to build godly character, to build patience, steadfastness. You're going to endure and you're going to feel like, man, I've been believing and praying, but I'm not seeing God move. But guess what? You already have it from the point you believe. See, this is the problem with people, or sorry, this is the problem with the understanding of faith. They think, well, I believe for it, I pray for it, ask for it, God will do it. But until I see it, that means he didn't do it yet. No. He did it the moment you prayed and believed. It's done. It could be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Some even people in the Bible didn't receive it in this life. But they received what God promised them through his word. And what do I mean by that? They just believed his word. Believe it. You're sick in your body today? Believe it, that you are healed in your body. There are so many promises for you. Isaiah 53, 5. Matthew 9. 1 Peter 2, 24. Well, maybe it's God's will for me to be sick. It ain't his will. That's a lie from the enemy. That's because you haven't fully believed what his word has given to you. Now, as the church, we are directly opposing Satan and his cohorts or every demonic spirit out there. But as a church, we stand as a unified body in Christ in the power and the anointing that we have received by Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost and his word. Let me help you today. This is a church that is spirit-filled. Not only are we a church that preaches the word and studies the word, but we also have been given his spirit, not only in salvation, which is the new birth, but we've been given his spirit through the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 9, and also in Acts chapter 13, Acts 10, where the Holy Spirit was given to people. Today, 
You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I mean, let me help you. It will change your life. You will receive power. The Bible says to be a witness. See, everything that we do in God is never about us. It's never about a church name, a pastor. I said this Friday. It was a pretty bold statement, but I'm okay with saying it again. The time for elevating men, elevating buildings, elevating names and organizations is over. The time for elevating his presence is now. We have got caught in the idea that God only works through one person or someone that seems to have a great personality or a gifting and an anointing. Now, we will honor people. and We will honor men and women that God places over authority in our life because guess what? God puts you under authority. Promise you, God gives you pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. For what? The equipping of the body for the work of the ministry. We are working. So our next point is we have a position of work. A position of work. You should never be a part of a church where you never do anything. Where all you do is come on a Sunday morning and go. That's not being part of the body. Now, you might be saved, but that's not being an active, functioning member of the body. Notice the two words, active, but also functioning. See, if you go through our pursuit that we have, you would learn these ideas or learn these revelations and understandings from the word of God on how to be an active and a functioning member of the body. See, God has graced you and gifted you to fulfill his will, his purpose. Not your will, not your purpose. See, we have created these ideas that the gifting is about me and I draw people to me. It ain't about you. Even if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it was always has how the spirit wills it or how he allows it or how he does it. The gift was never about the man or the woman, or the person, it was always about his purpose, his will, and what the body needed in that moment. Can I tell you right now, the body needs, if more than ever today, the gifts of the Spirit in operation and full manifestation. But we have tried to think that we can control it or even just get rid of it because it gets weird. Just because some people get in the ditch and stay in a rut... Let's not allow ourselves to just completely get rid of something and say, well, that's not for us today. Let's be balanced in what we do. Amen. Come on. It's okay with a little bit of balance. But let's not discredit the move of God. Now, we have a position of work. The Bible says this, continuing in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for what? Building up. The body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. Not building up your superannuation. Not building up so you can get a big house, nice fine ride, any of that. I don't know who told you that and who led you that way. It's wrong. For the building up of his kingdom. 
there anything wrong with all that stuff I just said? Not at all. But if that becomes your master and what you rule after and what you're hungry for, well, that means money has you. See, we got to get to the place where we see money as just a tool and a resource that God has given us on this land to use for his kingdom. There's nothing wrong with having a nice watch. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says that God has given you the ability to get wealth. You have domain on the earth. Come on, what the enemy tried to take from you, what Satan tried to take from you, guess what? God gave you back. God gave it back to you through Jesus. That's even prosperity. The problem is people have just spoken about a prosperity gospel and have perverted the gospel. There's no such thing as anything before gospel. It's the gospel. But God wants you to prosper. And see, the whole idea of prosperity isn't material things. It's more than that. It's health. It's spiritually. It embodies everything. See, we just think it, oh, it's just material things. No. And then we got people that try to preach a certain way and do it a certain way so they can just feed themselves. Well, you should be able to recognize when you are in a relationship with God that that's wrong. So if you can't recognize if a man or a woman of God is preaching and it's causing division and it's heresy, let me help you. Begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, is that right what they're saying? Everything I say on this pulpit, you should be writing it down. And praying over and thinking about it through the week. And if something that I say is not right and you feel that it's not right with the word of God, let's talk. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it is right, if it does line up with the word of God, then you might need to change your attitude and your heart towards the thing. Now, I'm almost, I'm almost done. For the building up of the body of Christ. Notice that the body of Christ is members, individuals. I am growing and I'm in a position of working for people around me in my body, in the local body, in the church God has called me in. Now look, semantics, all these things, let's just speak to our level and how we speak. Your church that God has planted you. Now if you're a visitor today or if you're visiting, if you're in town, you might have a church that you are planted in. And you are part of. That's where you tie. That's where you sow your life. That's where you and your family grow. Okay. But if you live here and this is your church, then that means that you not only plant yourself here, but you always also work, grow, and live your life for the building of his kingdom through this body. Meaning everything you do is through this body. Because when you do it through the body, there will be... Here, here's a kicker. There will be accountability. You'll be held accountable. Any person that's not under accountability is living a life that is causing chaos, that is living a life that is causing division, that is causing factions. The Bible talks about not allowing that within the house of God, within the church. See, I've been, I've been a pastor long enough to see when a wolf comes in or someone comes in to deter the body. And see, we got to be like a sheepdog. And I'm talking about the body, some of you. You need to be like a sheepdog and say, nah, get out of here. It ain't going to work. And do it in love. Do it in love. The best way to do it, honestly, is to go to them and say, hey, how can I pray for you today? Usually they're not going to want you to pray over them. They're going to want to pray over you and prophesy over you and tell you, oh, I feel in my spirit. I saw a dream about you last week. That ain't true. I've seen that stuff. 
And they might be like, oh man, that really was God. No, it wasn't. Remember, the enemy's working. He's seeking who he may devour. And usually the ones that are ignorant in the word of God and have any solid foundation in his word. We have a position as a church, as a body, of not only rest, not only work, but also standing firm in Christ. Standing firm in Christ. You got to stand. There is a position of standing. Standing up against things. Standing for things. If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. I think I said it a little wrong, but it's all right. If you don't stand up for nothing, you'll fall for anything. You got to stand up. Especially in this day and age. And even that whole idea, some people feel a little uncomfortable with. What do you mean I got to stand up? I'm going to be really careful in how I word my words. Be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. Not by your own flesh and your own opinions. Be led by God. And I'm going to leave it at that. Now, we see in Joshua chapter 10, and I'm going to end it with this. Joshua chapter 10. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. The next one is a position of submission. A position of submission. Now, this word is really tough for a lot of people because we don't want to submit to things. It's hard in our ideas, in the way we are trained within our DNA. I mean, who has a kid, you know, that your kid doesn't like to just say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. You got to train them up in the way they should go. Well, just like a child has to be trained up to submit to their mother and father, guess what? You have to be trained up into submitting to God. If you've been serving God for a while, you know that. Because you got something called the flesh that is warring against your spirit every day. And it doesn't want to submit to it. It wants to live like the old you and enjoy the things that you used to enjoy. Now, let me help you today. If you still enjoy the things that you did before Christ and you're in Christ and you still have a desire for that and a draw for that, get in his presence. Renew your mind. Discipline. Starve it out. Fast. You know, it's okay for Christians to still fast. Fast and pray. Take some time. Get rid of the phone. Get out of the environment that is causing it. A position of submission. The Bible says in James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. If you ever get to the place in your life where you think that you know it all, that you're so educated and so spiritually puffed up, the Bible calls it, it's pride is really what it is. Let me help you today. Allow the spirit of humility to come in your life. Get humble quick. The Bible says be slow to speak. Quick to listen. When somebody comes to you with problems, is your first instance to tell them that they're wrong and try to fix it? Let me help you. Don't do that anymore. 
Learn how to listen. Because a lot of times when people come to you with their problems, they're not looking for you to fix it because usually they already know. They're needing someone the way they can talk it out through so they can work it out for themselves. You'd be surprised by what little speaking can do when it comes to holding and walking, sorry, with walking with people in the body. Learn the art of listening. Our pastor does a really good job of it. If you've ever been in a conversation or in a counseling session or whatever, he, he can just listen. It's funny, isn't it? You're like, interesting. <laughs> I love it. Learn it, though. You know, God places men and women of God around you to learn things. Look at people for an example of how to be godly. And today, you might be one of those people that people look up to. And that's important. So be that leader. Be that person that God's called you to be. Because again, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. But it says, submit yourself therefore to God. And what's next? Resist. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Notice that when we submit to God, the next thing is resisting the devil. But if I don't submit to God and I just resist the devil, it ain't going to work. I have to submit to God. And it says that he will flee from you. Now, in verse 8, it says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So how do I submit to God? I draw near to him. And as I draw near to him, guess what? He draws near to me. God ain't just going to draw near to you just because you look pretty. You're going to have to draw near to him. You're going to have to get in his presence. He ain't just going to come to you because you're having a bad life or you're going through a tough time. I'm sorry. You're going to have to draw near. Faith is active. Faith is working. Faith does. It is doing. Faith without works is dead. Draw near. This is what submitting to God looks like. Drawing near. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Who exalts? You don't exalt yourself. See, we're really good at trying to exalt ourselves, especially with social media now. Dear God, let's not allow that to get into church, into the body, where we think we have to advertise ourselves and make ourselves look a certain way to exalt ourselves. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not talking about naturally, I'm talking about spiritually. God will exalt you when you humble yourself before Him. Submission is, hum- is humility. There's another area. I wasn't going to do this, but I am. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Man, that just what I read today, just that little bit, that would make people scream and shout that are in the world. <laughs> that goes against so many ideologies and things that are trying to prevail. 
in this day and age that we live in. I don't even have to name them. You already know it. The Bible says right here, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For he, the husband, is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his self, his Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, now look, here it is. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's hard for a wife to submit to a husband when he's not submitted to God. You want, here's some marriage counseling one-on-one. You ready? Husbands, if you're having issues, wives, if you're having issues, first thing, husband, submit to God. Submit to God. They want godly leadership. Secondly, wives, submit to your husband. Now, blanket statement, I know. There's a lot more. There's a lot more things within that. We could be here forever and talk about those things. But let me help you. Get God involved in your relationship, in your marriage. Today, you may not be married. Remember, though, if you keep this format when it comes to your relationship, your marriage will be godly. And it'll be when God is centered in the marriage. Every time there's an argument, every time there's a fight, every time there's an issue, because guess what? That's going to happen. Welcome to marriage. Welcome to relationship. Every time there is, because he's centered, it always falls back to being him in the middle. I've always noticed that when I keep myself full of the word of God and in the spirit and the presence of God, I respect my wife better. I love her better with my words. I love her better with my body language. It changes everything. I'm not distant. This is good. I know it's challenging sometimes. I know it's hard to hear these things. But just because the word of God, look, the days of not touching harsh subjects or touchy subjects in the Bible, we, we got to touch them. We got to talk about them. Because if we don't talk about them, the world is going to talk about them and they're going to make you believe a certain way. But the Bible says it's the truth. The truth of what? His word that will set you free. You've been brought out of the world, meaning the world's concepts, ideas, ways of living. And last scripture. says this in 1 Corinthians 15 27 for God has put all things in subjection under his feet now but when it says all things are put in subjection it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him in verse 54 it says when the perishable puts on the imperishable talking about the perishable seed and the imperishable seed being Jesus, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Last position is this. It's a position of victory. A position of victory. It says he gives us victory through our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 57. And because of this, 58 says, be patient or be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, knowing that in your Lord or in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So anything that is not in God is in vain. All work, everything done outside of his will and purpose, guess what? It's in vain. But when it is done in him, and it's a process, tilling up the ground. I don't know if you've ever done it before. If you've seen people do it, it ain't easy. Maybe now it's easier because of all the technology we have. But think about you getting out there with the yoke of oxen and pushing through some hard ground. It's a process. And this is what he's talking about, laboring. It's a process of work. And you're going to labor. Your hands are going to get callous. They're going to get blistered. Your patience is going to be tested. <laughs> you're going to be tested in your patience. You're going to want to move out and quit and throw the yoke on the ground or whatever was the thing that pushes the yoke, the, the plow. You're not going to want to do it. Because who wants to go through a process of growth? But that's the only form of growth there is. There's no such thing as, this is my vision and my dream. I'll be there by tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck. You'll be very disappointed. It's a position of victory. My victory is rest, submission, and work. That's victory. This is his church. The church has victory. The church is not trying to overcome. The church has already overcome through one, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are ruling and reigning through one. Who? Jesus. This church, his church, the body of Christ, guess what? They're victorious. You, you're victorious. You say, I don't feel like it. It's not about feeling. It's about knowing. His word tells you you're victorious. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.